Hey, this is Dino, and I'm the pastor of Revolution Church. Thank you for downloading this podcast. We hope this message is encouraging to you and will help you to discover God's unchanging love. For more information, visit our website at therevolutionchurch.com. Enjoy the message. What a great group of guys here and gals, forgive me. Um, so and here's the deal. They have six minutes. So if you hear a timer going off, a buzzer, that means they've gone past their time and they're going to have to end quickly. So believe with me that that won't be the case here today because trust me, they have a lot to say. These, these are amazing people. So without further ado, welcome to our five, four, six in Jesus name. Come on up to our, our first speaker. Thank you, Pastor D. My name is Dan Russell. It is an honor and privilege to be with you this morning. And, you know, each of us this morning are talking about what discovering God's unchanging love means to us. And, you know, over the course of the last six months, we've gone through so much. We've gone through unprecedented times. And during that time, there was a revelation that came to me. And that revelation for me was that God loved me more than I love myself. You know, I, I thought as I was listening to sermons, I'm listening to Pastor Dino, I'm listening to, to so many different things where we're talking about God's love for us. And I kept thinking about the fact that, well, I, I, I recognize how much God loved everybody else and I, it was great to say it. But I started recognizing that man, along the way, I, I didn't love myself nearly as much as God loved me. You know, the first step of it was understanding that I wanted less for myself than God wanted for me. I would hear Pastor Dino or other pastors or I'd listen to worship music and I'd hear about these blessings and I was ready to give them to everybody else. I was ready to give them to Sam and Monica. You know, it was Jason's blessing. And I would, I would believe with them. I'm sitting in service and amen, yes, I believe, I believe. And, and I would read it in the word or I would hear it in a message and I'd be so ready to give it to somebody else. And I would settle for less than God's best. And I had to stop and think about why that was. And I had to think about, I didn't think I deserved it. I, I didn't think that, you know, because of mistakes I made in my own life, I didn't deserve it. That blessing wasn't for me. Wow. Somebody else was a better Christian. I didn't know the word the same way as somebody else. And, and, and I kept trying to give my blessings away. But that's not what God had for me. Next, it was understanding that God thought more of me than I thought of myself. More than the world told me I was worth. And I believe this morning that some of you understand exactly what I'm talking about. Maybe it's something your parents put on you. I know I had to have a bondage that was broken there. Maybe it was a teacher. Maybe it was a coach. Maybe it was an ex-wife or ex-husband, but somebody who put something on you that God didn't put on you, and you've still been wearing it for years. And I thought about in Mark 6, 3, when Jesus was ministering, and they, they looked and they said, isn't that Mary's son? He, he's just a carpenter. Who, who does he think he is over there? This was Jesus, the son of God. And by the way, he was in his hometown. Okay, he wasn't visiting. He was in his own hometown. And they said, 
Not Sam. It's just Sam, right? That's what I've been experiencing in my life. I was experiencing all the things that other people wanted to put on me, and I wasn't ready to experience what God had for me. And then finally, God showed me what unconditional love really looks like. And you know, we talk about that. We, we talk about that perfect love. We talk about unconditional love. And let's just be honest, from the time you're a small child, you don't teach or learn what unconditional love is. You do something for me, I'm going to do something for you. You go to school, you get a friend, your friend's nice to you, so you're nice to them, and now you become best friends. But if that friend does something wrong to you, well, they're not your friend anymore. So all of a sudden, I thought, well, that must be what my relationship with God is like. Because if I do something wrong, well, then I've fallen from grace, and man, when you stop and think about all the things that you've done wrong, man, man, oh man. So I sat and, and you know, as I was putting together what I was going to say, I, I went back to a time that I was sick a couple years ago and I was in the hospital, Beaumont Hospital in Troy. And I was in so much pain. There was, the doctors couldn't even answer what was going on with me. And I remember waking up in the middle of the night and I looked in the corner of the room and my wife was sitting there in that uncomfortable chair. If you've ever been in a hospital, you know exactly the chair I'm talking about. And she was there asleep. And God almost as clearly as I'm speaking to you right now said, that's what love looks like. And I thought about it. There was nothing she could do at that moment. There was nothing that she could do to go grab a doctor to help. There was no medicine she could give me, but she was there. And that's what God does for us. He's there. He's there at your lowest moment. He's there at your highest peak. He's there. He loves you through your shortcomings, your mistakes, your setbacks. God doesn't turn his back on you. So this morning when we're talking about this, the final thing I want you to get to is in Mark 9, 24, the man who had come before Jesus with his son that was possessed had the power, strength, and courage to say, Jesus, help me with my unbelief. Even when you can't believe for yourself, even when you can't believe for that blessing, even when you can't believe that you can get beyond your worst mistake you've ever made in your life, Ask him to help you with your unbelief. Yes. Ask him to help you learn to love yourself, see yourself, and believe in blessings for yourself the way that he sees you, loves you, and believes in you. So I'm here to tell you today, God is here. He loves you just as much as he loves me. And I'm so thankful for the opportunity to share with you this morning. God bless you. Well, hello. Uh, I'm Sam Montgomery, and uh, what? Hi. Oh, hi. <laughs> uh, and God's unchanging love means unity to me. Uh, it means unity. It's first and Second Corinthians, they're letters written by Paul to the church in Corinth. And Paul spent some time there. Uh, he was spreading the gospel and personally ministering to the people there. Heck, he founded the church that was there. But when Paul left, he heard word that some concerning things were happening, and that's what prompted him to write the first letter. 
there were two things going on in Corinth. The first thing was that they were taking God's love for granted. They were using their freedom in Christ as an excuse to sin as blatantly as possible. They were doing everything from theft to idolatry and using it to glorify God in some weird way. And then the second thing they were doing is they were just being hateful to each other. They were suing each other for everything they had over minor squabbles that could have just been solved by talking it out. And they were they were going to church early to exclude the poor and the undesirables from the best part of service. Paul, in his first letter, he really lays into the Corinthians. He calls them out on everything, and he talks at length about how shameful their behavior has been, and he calls them back to the pure and simple gospel message, a message the Corinthians had distorted and changed, the message of God's unchanging love. <laughs> And then in Paul's second letter, we see how the people responded to Paul's correction. Picking up in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, we've spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and we opened wide our hearts to you. We're not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak to you as my children. Please, open your hearts to us. Make room in your hearts for us. Paul's expressing a very deep desire to be reunited in heart with the church that he planted and has corrected and now offended, all right? And he's asking them to open their hearts to him. How often do we ask someone to please like you? You know, how often do you go up and say, look, please trust me, I'm, I'm not being dishonest. Please believe me when I say that I love you. Lower your guard. I deeply care for you. That is where Paul is at right now when he's writing this. Picking up in chapter seven, verse eight. Look, even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I, I don't regret it, though I did regret it. I see that my letter hurts you, but only for a little while, yet now I'm happy. Not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow's produced in you. What earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. At every point, you've proved yourselves to be innocent in this matter. The people, they weren't wallowing or running away from God, all right? They didn't pretend like they hadn't wronged each other. They ran directly to God and to each other, shame and sin and all, and rededicated them, themselves to both God and each other. This is not a small thing, all right? Get this. These were people who had hurt each other in very profound ways, and they were running to each other's arms and making things right. These were people who spat in God's face and were running into the throne room to worship. This is not a small thing, and that, all of that, that's what God's unchanging love is. God doesn't want us separated from each other or from him. His love is all-encompassing, all-consuming, and uncompromising. It's given to all of us, and it's given for us to give to all. You know, Jesus, he was in the garden praying before he was put on the cross, and in that prayer, he made clear just what it was he was willing to die for. 
In John chapter 17, we hear him praying, I will remain in the world no longer, but they're still in the world, and I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave to me, so that they may be one as we are one, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. I've given them the glory you gave to me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. The world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you loved me. The same relationship Jesus has with the Father, the same unity that they share, God's love calls us to replicate that same unity with Jesus and with each other. Jesus didn't die in vain. Our sin only separates us from God and from each other if we let it. God's love is our freedom, our hope, and our unity, and it never changes. His love is never withheld, and it always pursues us. That's what God's unchanging love means to me. It's an opportunity for relationship in spite of our failures and betrayals, an ability to be united with Christ and with each other. And my prayer is that we'd choose to step into that love fully without holding back. Woo! God bless. Hey. Thanks, Sam. <laughs> Hi, I'm Monica Lauder. And I'm going to tell you about a struggle that I recently had where I experienced God's unchanging love. Normally, I wake up in the morning. I read the word, study it, pray, worship God. Well, life gets in the way for all of us, right? Things happen, circumstances come up you didn't expect. Work starts making meetings before work. And before you know it, I'm drifting away from that solitude time I had with God. Don't get me wrong, I would still pray and thank him and talk to him. It just wasn't the same. And I wanted to get back in the groove because I found myself in a rut. So in the meantime, oh wait, I forgot to tell you something. So every day I would be like, okay, it's a new day. It's gonna happen, I'm, I'm gonna get back into my groove and it didn't happen over and over. So I felt frustrated and I wasn't happy with myself. So in the meantime, um, My husband and I, Jason, went on vacation, and we took a walk on the beach. And I was just looking for some sea glass, and shells, mm, this beach doesn't produce cool shells. So I just said out loud, Lord, I would love to find a big spiral shell. And not five seconds later, I hear Jason, Monica, Monica, Monica. I'm like, what? I'm trying to find sea glass. He goes, um, look between my feet. I'm just like, oh. Oh my goodness, I could not believe my eyes. A big spiral shell. I mean, it was so awesome because it was a simple request. And really, it is a miracle because you don't find those shells on that beach. We've been there four years. And it was as if God, God was showing me that he heard my prayers. He was sending me a reminder to tell me he loves me 
And don't be so hard on yourself because he knows my heart, he knows where I want to be, and he knows I'm struggling to get there. It was as if he was telling me, it's okay. I love you just as much as I did before. He's just, he's so awesome. And it made me feel so much better. I had peace with inside of me. So there was something else too that was bothering me and that made me feel better receiving this because before we left for vacation, something came up that did not make me feel good about how I thought about it and how I was feeling. And I'm sharing it with you because I know at times people have shared things with me that they probably didn't want other people to see that's how they felt or how they are. So Jason came and said, Monica, we were asked to do the six minute sermon. And I was just like, oh, really? I need a break. I just want to go on vacation. I want to chill out and relax and be free. But no, now I've got to think about what am I going to say? <laughs> Is it going to be good enough? And I'm going to worry and stress. So while I was on vacation, I did pray. Things came to my head, but nothing that was really catching. I got home, same thing, but this time it was worse, totally blank in my mind. So I'm like, okay, Lord, what's going on? What's wrong? What's wrong with me? I said, I really need help. Time's a tick in here. So I went and pulled weeds. And while I was pulling weeds, I felt this nudging to go look at the notes in my phone. And the first thing I scrolled to, I read, and this is what it said. Your mind will lead you away from things of God. Ask me to lead you by the Spirit instead of every thought that flaws into your own head. Focus on filling up your soul as opposed to just being led with every thought you think. Wow, I realized something. I ran and I said to Jason, I'm not the one who didn't want to do this. It's Satan. He does not want people to hear about God's unchanging love and how wonderful, magnificent God's love is. And he didn't want me to feel good. He wants to see me struggling and frustrated. So I shared this story with you because having to do this sermon was a blessing in itself because I experienced God's unchanging love in a mind battle, and it also brought me back to a place of solitude with God. So remember, Jesus is our advocate. God sees us through Jesus. I was feeling guilty and frustrated, and God saw me as blameless. I was hard on myself, and he was loving me and blessing me with this shell and other things I don't have time to talk about. Oh, so I totally forgot something in my story I have to say really quick. So after I said that to Jason about this is Satan, I got riled up and I said, oh no, greater is he that's in me than of this world. I have the mind of Christ. I can do all things who strengthens me and I do not have the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and mind. And then I went upstairs, closed the door and voila, here I am to say all this stuff. And remember, God always shows up. He's always on time. And he will bless you during the ups and downs, wherever you are in your life. God's love is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And that's my story of God's unchanging love. That's it. Thank you. That's my friend's wife.
Well, how you doing? My name is Ryan Pulowski, and God's unchanging love for me has been a journey of discovery, especially in the last handful of years of my life. And I love to read, and I love to really dig into some things that are, are deep, especially theologically. And there's all kinds of world-class theologians and scholars who have written for thousands of years about what God's divine love really means, both theoretically uh, as well as practically in terms of how it effectuates its power on the world, and of course in the process of redemption through the work of Christ. And questions like, what does it look like tangibly? You know, how far does it go when we say God is loving? What does that really mean? What's the result? And a few years ago, a friend of mine sent me an article that was written by an Eastern Orthodox priest, and it really impacted me, like really hit me between the eyes. And he was describing how every faith just about describes God as being, quote unquote, loving, however they define that. But scripturally, we know Christianity is really the only faith where God truly can be described as love. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that comes from our understanding of the doctrine of the Trinity, where we know that God has always existed, not as a solitary being, but as a community of three loving persons. And he will always exist that way. And so these three persons, the Godhead, are sharing and delighting in the love and light and goodness uh, of divine love. So in that regard, God's very essence is love. It's his very foundation. It's not an attribute. Like God is just and God is holy and God is good. But love is beyond all that. His justice and his holiness, and his goodness flow out of that love. It's the very foundation of his being. So before there were subatomic particles and, and waves and light and space and time, God always existed as a community of total self-giving love. And that didn't change with creation. Rather, the created order itself is an extension of that community, which means that God wasn't having to discover and figure out how to love, you know, once creation was here. He always existed in that love. So what is divine love then? What does it really look like? Uh, it's selfless devotion for the good and betterment of others without regard to yourself. And to imagine that God's thoughts towards us are on that wavelength is, is to me, it's astounding. And it's one thing to have a mental ascent of sorts to that idea, but it's another for that to really sink in to your soul. And some of these great Christian philosophers and church fathers that have laid so much groundwork for us through history, sometimes they struggle with this. They would obfuscate it a little bit and be like, well, sometimes God's love looks great. And sometimes it looks really harsh, and sometimes it's judgy, and sometimes it's this. Yeah. And we're told in certain ways, well, you can't really understand or grasp God's love, and, and that's true as far as it goes. God's love is infinite. You can't ever wrap your arms around it completely. But the reality is that we do know what that, live, that love looks like because we are fortunate enough to live on this side of the cross. So we have a perfect image of divine love in the person of Jesus, specifically in his sacrificial death where he's being nailed to a cross and murdered and he's saying to his father, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Mm, yes. And that's what divine love looks like. So where my struggle was throughout the years, and I grew up in a Christian home, is I had this kind of view of the atonement of Christ. And this is a view that's very common in the Western you know, Christian world, uh, less so than in the Eastern side, is that this view that more or less Jesus is this wonderful, merciful side of God, and the Father really needs to get his anger out, so Jesus kind of steps in the way to take the bullet for us. As if, you know, God is sitting there, the Father is like this 
giant cosmic narcissist who's just waiting to nail you for something wrong. But now that he's been able to kill Jesus, he's got his anger out. Now he can have you around and be like, well, I forgive you now. And somebody said something to me once about that. They said, well, is that really forgiveness? Because if I owe you $50 and Dino comes and pays it for you, I don't look at, you know, and comes and pays it for you. You don't look at me as this wonderful person who just forgave your debt. You, you, you look, Dino forgave, you know, took care of your debt. I'm just the guy who got paid one way or the other. And that really changed the way I started to think about this. And scripturally speaking, a lot of those views are rooted in pagan uh, beliefs about justice and retribution. Whereas when we look at Jesus, who is the Logos, the Word made flesh, Scripture tells us he's the perfect and full image of God. And all throughout the Old Testament, you saw they had these weird different images of God. And in the New Testament, the writers say, well, they had kind of fits and starts, types and shadows. But in Christ, we have the full revelation of who he is. And that's when the light bulb really went on for me and really gave me the impetus to gain a truer understanding of what God's incredible love is like and it really for me has been the last four or five years shedding a lot of these false notions about what the father looks like i stopped seeing him as the all-seeing dictator who was really disappointed in me and of course really disappointed in all of you because you're not trying hard as hard as i am and i was able for the first time to to really embrace him as dad and, and get rid of that schizophrenic view i had and that's where i've come to now full circle um to to the question of what does god's unchanging love really mean to you in a practical sense is that for me i'm really enjoying my time with god for the first time uh you know over the last few years in, in my entire life as a 37 year old who grew up in the church and served in youth ministry and did all the things i was supposed to do heard the words god has loved my whole life but always had this kind of mental block somewhere and now instead of trying to be loving and selfless which are selfless which are just not innate traits of mine i'll be very honest i'm learning to let god's love overflow into others albeit imperfectly thank you awesome. wow um i guess i need this i'm just uh honored to be standing here in front of you and talking to you this morning you know, with these other incredible people that are behind me also, and hearing all of them spend their six minutes, I'm thinking, okay, how am I going to do this in six minutes? I've never done anything in six minutes. I'm kind of a long-winded guy, right? And those of you that know me know, and uh, I'm going to try to cram this whole thing in into this short period of time here, and I'm just thanking God for some grace on me right now to stretch those minutes out for me because I've got a story for you that I want to share with you. And, you know, when Pastor Dino came and, and asked us, me, to talk about, dis, you know, discovering God's unchanging love. I, you know, one of the big things that came up to me was uh, thinking about discovering God's unchanging love. It's not discovered or, disco you know, I discovered it and it's over. I'm discovering it. I'm continually yeah. discovering God's unchanging love throughout my entire life. So when he came to me and asked, well, hey, just talk a little bit about, how, you know, discovering God, how you've discovered God's unchanging love. I'm thinking I could give you story after story after story. I could write a book with 50 chapters in it of different stories about how he has saved me. I, look, I shouldn't be standing in front of you right here, right now. I just shouldn't be. You know, if the world had its way, I would have been dead several times. And for a lot of you that may be listening to this video and known the old Jason, you can agree. Be like, yeah, 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 
I shouldn't be here standing in front of you, but by the grace of God, I am. So all of these different stories came to me and I was thinking about it, you know, what does it really mean? And, I, and, and one of the verses that first came to me when I first thought about or was proposition to do this was Deuteronomy 31, six. And to skip to the end of it, it says, he will not leave you nor forsake you. I thought about all the times that he never left me or forsake or forsook me. And, and when I started digging deeper and I started looking at that word leave, as you go back in the history of the Bible, it also means fail. He will not fail you. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he's never failed me, right? He's never left me hanging. He's never failed me. I've gone through some tough times. I've had to pay some repentance for some of the things that I've done, but he never left me, he never failed me. And I didn't want to just tell you another story about modern day prodigal son used to party and now here he is today, you know, he's changed his life. And I thought about one specific incident, one specific day. It, it happens to be about 20 years ago from this summer. And it was after four years, four, I'm sorry, four months. Every year we did four months down in Cancun and after that, we went up to uh, New Jersey, to the New Jersey shore, right? And a friend of ours had a house on the inlet, on the Jersey inlet there, and we were staying there, and it was kind of end of the year, hurrah, it was all good, and we were partying, doing it the way you should, and, and you know, it's never a good idea, you know, to, to mix drinking, drugs, and a jet ski, but I did. And you know where this story might be going? I don't know. I'm out jet skiing, showboating around a little bit, and I'm on this jet ski and I dip down into the water, you know, to pop up and do a trick. And as I pop, go down into the water and I make that turn, here comes another jet ski flying across the inlet, hits the front of the jet ski as the ramp. My head is the rest of the ramp, whoosh, flies right over the top of me, using my head to, he got air. And that's the, really the end of the story that I remember. Everything I'm going to tell you from here on is how people explained it to me and the way that people showed it, to, told me that it, how it happened, because I don't remember. That jet ski hit me in the head and I went face down into the water, flat down, unconscious, dead to the world. The people on the docks were yelling and screaming, trying to get me conscious, trying to get me up to it, and I was motionless. The guy that hit me cruised back over with his jet ski, not his fault, but he came and tried to get me up onto the jet ski and I'm 250 pounds dead weight in the water and he's yelling to the shore, I can't get him up on the jet ski. And all of a sudden, by the grace of God, I'm telling you, I know it was his hand that came down and lifted me up, put me up onto that jet ski. I awoke, my, my lanyard, the key was still on my wrist. I stuck it in the jet ski, I turned it on, I drove straight over to the dock and I collapsed into the arms of my friends who lifted me up, pulled me, took me into my buddy's car, and he said he didn't go under 70 miles an hour all the way to the ER. As I'm dripping blood from my face and I'm holding ice on here, he says, and I kept asking him, what happened, what happened? And he was getting frustrated with me because every time I'd ask, he'd tell me, and then I'd ask again and again. And I went to the hospital three different places with stitches on my face, uh, root canals, teeth implants put in, new teeth put on here, and I'm standing in front of you today right now because of God's unchanging love. That's the reason. And although the world looked at a situation like that as maybe he's a goner, you know, or whatever, I'm telling you that there's a bigger purpose that I stand in front of you today, you know, more than the world said, now, your life's going to end here, 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 but no, God's got a bigger plan for us. And as I thought about telling this story, which I haven't shared too much with people, you know, but as I thought about this story and I thought about the craziness of this story, I remembered this verse that I looked up 
in 1 John 4, 4. And it says, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And the reason that's so strong for me and so powerful for me is because there's so many different things where if it was just me of the world, I would never have survived. But because he's inside of me, because he dwells inside of me, I stand in front of you today. Because of the fact that I get to walk around knowing that I invited Christ into my life to make a difference into my life, these things from the world, trust me, there's been some consequences of that jet ski accident, right? I've had to pay thousands of dollars for implants and different kinds of things in my face. There's some consequences, but with him, there's no condemnation. And that is what discovering God's unchanging love looks like to me. Wow. 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 What an amazing crew of people, anointed, gifted, distinct personalities, but you could just sense the Spirit of God flowing through them. You know, the vision of our ministry is to discover God's unchanging love. And you've heard that come through loud and clear from five separate people, from five different walks of life in different unique ways. And it's so beautiful to see. And the second part of our vision is this, is we believe that when you can discover God's unchanging love, that you will then begin to see what God can do through you. And what I am so amazed as I'm standing here before you today, are the five people sitting behind me have discovered God's unchanging love and they are seeing what God is doing through them. Isn't that just amazing? Come on, I want you guys, if you're there right now, give them a great, God bless you, give them a great hand. Give yourselves a hand, you guys. You guys did awesome, man. But all of this is possible only because they each have a distinct and individual relationship with Jesus. And maybe you're watching today and it's been fun. You've heard some amazing stories. I'm in awe. I'm in awe by the things that I've heard. And if I'm in awe, I have to believe that some of you are in awe as well. And maybe you're watching for the first time. Maybe you've never heard about this kind of love that God has for us, that Jesus has for us. Maybe you're like me, you were raised in a religious environment. I was raised in a super religious environment where I was told about God's love, but it was all done in such a super, super religious way and in a hypocritical way that I wanted nothing to do with God, nothing to do with church. I was raised in church three, four nights a week, but I didn't know Jesus the way they have so eloquently and beautifully presented him. And maybe you don't either. Maybe you were like me. You've heard about Jesus. He's this distant God. Ryan couldn't have explained me any more clear. I was exactly the way Ryan had described. But today, I wanna give you that invitation to know this Jesus. And while my friends behind me, my, my dear friends, are joining their faith with me right now, believing for you, the one who's watching. I just sense right now, you wanted to end your life and this pandemic has really gotten to you. You see no way out and you flipped on to this by accident. And I want you to know, you think it's an accident, but I want you to know 
It's not an accident. Our Jesus loves you and caused you to watch this. You do not have to end your life. Your life really matters. All you have to do is simply surrender your life to this very real Jesus that we've been talking about. And it's so simple. All you have to do is pray a simple prayer, invite him into your life, and he will do the rest. I promise you, you won't have to do anything else. He will do the rest. All you have to do is simply receive. So right where you are right now, I want you to just receive my Jesus. If you've never prayed this prayer for the first time, pray this, and it goes something like this. Just repeat this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I want to know you. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to change my life. I want you to be my friend. I believe that God sent you to this earth to die for my sins. And he raised you up from the dead to pay for my sins. Right now, I receive you as my personal savior. In your name, I pray, amen. Hopefully this message was encouraging to you. And if it was, tell a friend. And thank you for your generosity. Your generosity enables us to take the message of God's unchanging love all around the world. For more information on how to give and about the ministry, visit us at therevolutionchurch.com. We'll see you right back here next week.